Welcome, welcome. So glad to have all of you with us today. Welcome to those watching online as well as those here in the auditorium. We will say Happy Mother's Day again to all the mothers that are here. It's such an honor and privilege. Without our mothers, none of us would be here. It's been a great day for me. My mom was actually here in the first service, and my grandmother is here in the second service. We're glad to have you with us, Ma. What an awesome... This lady took me into her home for a little while, and man, what an adventure that was for her, I'm sure. <laughs> but we're so happy about uh, what God's talking about here in our series, Game Changer. We're going to jump right into it today. So if you want to get out your Bibles, your uh, version Bible app, you can get the sermon notes on there. Get your sermon notes out of your worship guide. Let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. <laughs> Luke chapter 1. Just happy about the Bible. You can download those sermon notes there on Version Bible app if you're watching online. You can follow along with us. Go to the events section uh, in your Version Bible app, and then you will see those sermon notes available for you. Game Changer, the title of the series. Last week we talked about uh, the, t- the subtitle of, this, of the message last week was One More Round. And we talked about Rocky Five, and I said, yo, dummy. You know, so you need to watch that, pick up on that. And we talked about the three characteristics of a game changer. Three important things that a game changer will have to have. They need to have some clarity of purpose, why they're doing what they're doing. They need to know what, what their direction is. They need to have clarity. Number two, they need to have, have some sense of understanding of the creativity that they have on the inside of them. A game changer is creative. A game changer is not original. A game changer is not cookie cutter. A game changer is literally disruptive. If you introduce a game changer into the industry, in the business world, or whatever it is, that thing you introduced, it's a game changer. It disrupts the norm. It causes everybody to react to that new product. It's like, whoa, that's coming out. This changes everything for the industry. And it happens. It happens all the time. You see it around us. So that's, we need to be creative. And as game changers, we can't be afraid as people in the business world, in our, in our business, in our school, in our relationships, in our families, whatever. We can't be afraid to be originals and be game changers. So we'll talk more about that later. Then the last one was constancy. This is where we talked about Rocky a little bit and how game changers just keep getting up. They do not quit. They keep getting up over and over and again. So we talked about the definition of game changer. Here's what I submitted to you. It's kind of my made up. I'll say made up. I researched and put a lot of things together and came up with this one definition. It just means a new event has to be new. Everybody say new. New. So if you're going to be a game changer, you've got to do something new. A new event, an idea or action that shifts or completely changes the course of action of a current situation. Or it changes the way we think or do things. So if something's a game changer, when it's introduced, it's new. So first off, we've got to get over being against new things. You've got to love change. People don't hate change. They hate the way their people try and make them change. So everybody wants change because they want to make progress. You can't make progress without change. We talked about that last week. So now... We realize it's a new event. If I'm going to put a new event, if I'm going to manage my team at work differently, I'm going to interject a new idea. And that new idea is going to shift the culture of the team, hopefully, or or that new thing. I'm going to parent a new way. I'm going to interject a new way, a new way of thinking. And that, the goal of that game changer is to shift or change the direction of a current situation. I'm going to wake up tomorrow... And I'm going to bring a new way of thinking as a husband. 
You're, you don't do a game changer waiting to see if people like it before you interject it. You interject it because it comes from the inside. So I'm going to change how I spouse. I'm going to change. Is that a verb? Can you do that? I'm going to change how I am as a wife. I'm not waiting for them to change because we talked about two different types of game changers. One type of game changer happens to us. It's external. It's somebody else does something different for us, and it's a game changer. You get the promotion. You get some, somebody gives you something you didn't ask for. It's a game changer to you, something like that. Or the second type, what we're going to focus on, is a game changer through us. So can there be a game changer to us or a game changer through us? I can't control when game changers happen to us, but I want to encourage us, whether you're watching online or sitting here in the auditorium, that we will wake up and decide we're going to let a game changer happen through us instead of waiting for it to happen to me all the time. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at that from a different perspective today. So game changer, what's really important in, in being a game changer and what we need to operate in is realizing uh, how can we do it, how can we let it go through us. So I started this about uh, the beginning of the year. Some of you know we do 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year. And this year as we went into the prayer and fasting time, I felt God just challenging me, said, I want you to go all in. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So we worked out the details of that and what that meant for me. And, and so I did my best to go all in. And so he's, he led me through this process to say, hey, this is going to be a game-changing prayer and fasting time for you because this is going to be a game-changing year for you. I'm like, okay, wow. Anytime you say those words, that sounds great. But today we're going to talk about some important decisions that you have to make along the journey of being a game-changer. It's not always as easy as it sounds. So during that prayer and fasting time, on day 17, God spoke to me and gave me some things that were going to be game changers for me and game changers for our church. And I'm going to be laying those out specifically next week. So I encourage you, I wouldn't miss next week for anything. I'd reschedule vacation around next week if I was you. I just, we're not going to talk about some of the specifics, but one of the things that's a game changer for us that we're getting ready, it didn't happen all this year, but we're getting ready to launch a new campus, our second location as a church. It's a game changer. We've never done that before. It's outside the norm for us. We, we didn't have that on the radar. But when God started speaking to me several years ago, he said, Chad, I want you, we were one church in three services. And he said, I want you to stop thinking about one church in three services, and I want you to start talking about one church in three locations. I'm like, what? Three locations? Why, why would I do that? Where are they going to be? How's that going to happen? I start asking all the questions that we ask all the time, right, when God tells you something. And he didn't give me those answers. So I remember level of frustration that, but, but I, on January 26, 2013, I was in prayer and God just put on my heart and I just, it was so subtle. I didn't really think much about it, but I just put it in my phone. January 26, 2013, God speaks to me about a campus in Mount Carmel. I don't know why. I wasn't praying about Mount Carmel. I'm from Albion, so it's not very far from Mount Carmel. But I wasn't like, oh, I know I'm supposed to go. I didn't know any of that, but it's God just spoke that to me. So I just put it on the back burner. And then four years later, July 13th, 2017, our executive pastor Kyle and myself, we actually went to look at South Elementary School in Mount Carmel because they, they were going to sell it. We went to take a look at it. 
thought, okay, God, if that's you, August 16th, I'll give you the short version of the story. August 16th, the bid was accepted that we submitted to the school board. October 18th, 2017, we signed papers to take ownership of a school, of a campus. So now we have a campus preparing for that. We're renovating it, getting ready so that we can start our first additional campus for Crossroads Bible Church. It's a huge deal. It's a big deal for us. It's exciting. It's a game changer because we go from being one church in one location to now, I want you to understand, this is the first of many. It's the first of many. And it may be hard to swallow, like, well, how? I don't understand. I don't know either. So we're all in the same boat. We're all together. But I do want to announce something that we've been putting together, God put on my heart, because we're going to have a campus pastor for each location. And uh, I was praying about it. Like, God, who do you, who do you want us to uh, select? Who's supposed to be the campus pastor for that? And it is none other than the wonderful couple, Kevin and Amy Gammon. Would you bring their pictures up? They're going to be the campus pastors. Give them a hand. They're going to be the campus pastors for Mount Carmel. They live in the Fort Branch area, but they're going to be relocating to uh, Mount Carmel. So we're excited for them. The only problem is they're Eagles fans, and that's a little bit of a problem for me. (laughs) Cowboys fans can't have Eagles fans working together, but we're still praying for them. We believe God will convict them and bring them around. But we are thrilled for them. Great people, wonderful people. They're going to do a great job at that location. So we just realized that game changers happen, and when game changes happen, they disrupt the norm. And so what we're leaning into and believing God for is not just what God's going to do for us as a church. I believe, more specifically, God wants to do game-changing things through you. So one of the things you need to understand about yourself as a game-changer, because this is what I believe you are, game-changers aren't afraid of the impossible. They lean into the impossible. It's a little bit Leery, but, but they go for it. Game changers do that. Game changers don't allow the accomplishments of other people to limit the possibilities of their accomplishments. A game changer doesn't let these words, it's never been done before. They don't let those words paralyze their vision. A game changer counteracts those words with the words, there's a first time for everything. Because some people, when you introduce a game changer, whether it's a new technology, a new device, a new way of doing things, a new way of thinking, it is not 100% widely accepted because it's so new. It's like, wait a minute, nobody's ever done that before. I know it's a game changer. Nobody's ever done that for me before. Nobody's ever acted that way. Nobody's talked that way. I know it's a game changer. So why are we always looking for wide acceptance before we do what God's put in our heart to do? Why do we wait for someone to say it's okay for us to go ahead and step out and do what God has put in your heart to do? What if God's telling you to change your behavior at home and you're waiting for someone to accept you before you do it? I'm just throwing that out for something to think about. Say, how many times are we waiting for that? So let's look in Luke chapter 1. I want to talk about game-changing choices today. So here's the process. God's going to speak something into your heart. He already has, many of you, all the time. But God's going to put something on your heart during the journey, because we're going to talk about a game-changing mama today. It's Mother's Day, so we're going to honor a game-changing mother. But I don't want men or non-mothers to check out, because there's something super powerful that we're going to be able to apply as well into our lives, that when God speaks something to you in the beginning, there's a process. And a lot of times we get excited in the beginning, but we get tired and we weary, and then through the process somewhere we lose what God told us in the beginning. 
How many has ever been excited about something in the initial stage that you heard something, you thought about something, that's going to be awesome, but then a little bit over the process, you're like, oh, I don't even want to, I don't even care about that. I don't even, what happened? Sometimes time goes by and we lose sight of what God's wanting us to do. So let's look at these things we'll have to choose. We're going to have to make some choices. Verse 26, I'm going to read this through, the story through, and we'll come back and break it down. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Notice he said virgin twice in one verse. Now some of you may have a problem with that word, but it is what it is. Now there's some words that people get a little uptight about. But he said there's twice. Why did he call her virgin twice in one, one verse? I believe it wasn't by accident. I believe he's wanting to highlight something to let everybody know, wait a minute, this is a virgin. No, really, this is a virgin, and I'm going to do something through this woman that cannot be done through mankind. In other words, I, I believe this. Sometimes God highlights our humanity so that he can reveal his divinity. Sometimes God's going to show you that you're not all that because he wants to remind you that he is all that. It's like, hey, this is a virgin. In other words, it can't be done. That's what I was saying. The virgin can't get pregnant. That can't be done. Now, we understand nowadays with technology, some people can do that. But, I'm, but what we're talking about now, a virgin cannot give birth. It can't be done. Can't be done. How many knows that God loves those situations where it can't be done? Because when it's over and you actually experience it, then people will have to look back and say, it had to be God because I know them. They're not that smart. And, and having come in, so the angel comes in. Check it out. you got to put yourself in the story. And having come in, the angel says to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. When I read this, I started cracking up. I see silly things in the Bible because I'm kind of silly. But I was like... Notice an angel shows up and speaks to her. And she's not tripped out because an angel is speaking to her. She's tripped out like, what manner of greeting is this? It'd be like your dog coming up to you and saying, hey, I need to go outside. And you get upset because you're busy watching TV. Hey, why are you bothering me? My show's on. Hey, your dog is talking to you. Kind of a big deal. I'd be like, yo, it's an angel. What, I don't know what you're saying, but I'm impressed by that. That was just kind of funny to me. So then now, verse 30, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold... The maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Now let's go back to verse 26 and let's break this down. I'm sorry, verse 30 and break this down. It says, now the angel said to her, 
Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I want to talk to you about game-changing choices we're all going to have to make along our journey. If we're going to live longer than two weeks, we're going to have some choices we're going to have to make. Here's the first choice we're going to have to make. We find it here in verse 30. It says, do not be afraid. Remember, this is an angel. An angel brings a message from heaven. So what is the message from heaven to earth? Do not be afraid. How does heaven feel about fear? Do not be afraid. He doesn't want us to be afraid. He does not say that fear won't come. He just says don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why? Because you have found favor with God. He gives us a reason why we don't have to be afraid. He gives us an alternative. We've got fear. So the choice we'll have to make as game changers, we will have to choose favor over fear. Favor, I give you the definition there in your notes. The word favor means gratitude, favorable attitude, acceptance towards. It's something that, that you cannot get on your own. It's something you can't earn. It's something you can't ask for. Favor has to be initiated by someone else and given to you. You can't beg for favor. That person has to choose to give it to you freely and graciously. So here's what it is. Favor, if I give it to you and that's just a, a plain bones definition. Favor God's feelings about me. So now, in every situation, I'm going to have to choose fear what other people think about me, favor what God thinks about me. Every game changer is going to have to make that decision. Are we going to choose fear what other people think, or am I going to choose favor what God thinks? Once God tells you something, you cannot be moved by what people think about it. It's rampant in our society, and it's not all a negative. It's just the way it is in our social media culture. We love to post things. We want likes. We want shares. We want retweets. We want double, t double stamp hearts. We want, we want all of that. What? It just feeds that acceptance. People like me. Woo! Look at all them shares and likes. I'm loved by many. That's what happens. We get that feeling. But the problem is, the Bible says this in Proverbs 29, verse 25, says the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man brings a snare. Now that word snare is very important. The word snare literally means a noose or a trap. Here's what it speaks. Whether you're a teenager, whether you're an adult, we all have difficulty, the challenge of dealing with what other people think about us. The fear of man is a snare. It is literally a noose around your neck. Why? Because if we live in a constant state of worrying about what other people think about us, it will kill us. You're like, what do you mean kill me? It's not necessarily going to kill you literally, but it will kill the real you because you'll constantly be trying to adapt and change who you are to get acceptance by pe or from people that may care two bits about who you are, but you're trying to change your personality, your hair, trying to act a certain way. Will they like me? Will I fit in? Will I be accepted? It's a noose around your neck. Cut it loose. Be who God created you to be. Be your personality. Flow like you flow. It's a snare. But we're constantly wanting to be liked. Game changers don't limit or lose their identity based on the acceptance of others. we got to choose favor, God's feelings about me, 
over fear of what other people think. It's a choice we're going to have to make. You've got to make that choice. You don't make the choice one day and be done for the rest of your life. I wish it was that simple. I've got to make that choice every week. Every week after I get done speaking, I've got to choose what God feels about me more than what other people feel. Did people like that? Was that good? Did they share that? Did they retweet that? Did they post that? Did they like? Did they hit like? Or did they hit love? If they hit love, that's oh, that's much better. <laughs> I'm just being real. You got people. You go through this even as parents. And my kids are the do they like the way I treat them? Do they like what I'm saying? Do they, is there except you can feel rejection as a parent? So we got to. The favor of God over the fear of man. That's the first choice we're going to have to make. We see that here in Scripture. Let's go to verse 31. And so he says, don't be afraid, for you found favor. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You shall conceive in your womb. Now this word conceive is two different words come together, and it means uh, in union with or together with, And it comes with another word that means to grab hold of, to seize, to possess, to take for one's own. So you put the two words together, and that conceive means to grab a hold of something, come into union with something, come into agreement with something, make it your own, take possession of it. Where are we supposed to take possession of it? He said, you will conceive in your womb. Now, ladies, you're going to have a better revelation of this than guys will automatically, but I want us all to understand that we all have a womb, spiritually speaking. But to use a natural analogy so you can get the spiritual revelation, see, when you, when you get pregnant with something, you get pregnant in your womb, and the womb is the place of expectancy or preparation for something that is not visible or experienced, Say that again. Your womb is a place of expectancy or preparation for something that is not visible or experienced yet. So we understand that as, as a woman gets pregnant in the womb, they, they have a place of expectancy. That's why we say they are expecting. They're expecting. They're with child. So we understand that. Well, now as a man, I realize I have a spiritual room called my heart or my spirit. And in my heart is where God can give me something I will conceive. I will grab hold of something in my heart. So now God can speak something to your heart, and you have to put it in your womb, place of expectancy and protection before it's visible. People don't see it yet. People don't understand it yet, but God's spoken something to you. When you get pregnant, you walk around. Once you know, ladies, help us out. Once you know you're pregnant, everything changes. You change. That's all I'm going to say about it. You change. It's not all negative. I'm not trying to, but I'm just saying you change. Could be good. You change what you drink for something nobody else can see. You change what you eat. You change where you go. All of a sudden, you're not riding roller coasters anymore. Why? Because you've got something on the inside. Everything you do externally is filtered through protecting what you have internally. So now my life changes, my decisions change based by what I'm trying to protect on the inside. Once you hear something from God, it should change how you live your life. Once God comes into your heart, it should change externally because what's inside of you is more important. This baby inside of me is more important than throwing my hands up going down the roller coaster. 
I don't want to do anything to mess up that. I don't want to eat that right before I go to bed because if I drink that or eat that right before I go to bed, oh, he or she's going to go crazy in there and I won't sleep all night. These things happen. So why won't we do that about the truth when God speaks something into our heart? God puts something in our womb. You'll conceive in your womb. So what it's telling us is you've got to grab hold of God's truth in your heart. So here's a choice you've got to make. You've got to choose faith over sight. You've got to choose, I believe what God's told me more than what I see yet. I don't see it happening yet. I don't see it playing out yet. But God told me this is what he wants to do in my life. So in that moment, I've got to choose faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. You conceive in the womb. You don't get excited about having a baby after you're holding it. You get excited about having a baby when you bring the strips. Hey, I'm pregnant. You're excited. Why don't you wait and see? Because you're expecting. We need to do the same thing with God. When he tells you something, get excited when he tells you, not just when you finally see it happen. When he speaks it into your heart, put it in your womb, protect it. Let it grow. Let it develop. You may not see it yet, but it's still there. So you've got to make that choice. Let's go to the next part. He says you'll bring forth a son. So you'll conceive in your womb, you'll bring forth a son. Bring forth a son. There's a couple things, your encouragement here, you, that God's going to bring to pass what he said, being confident of this very thing, that he's begun a good work and you will perform it. So it's telling me that. But, but the other thing that jumped out at me was a little bit off the radar. You'll bring forth a son. Do you know about being pregnant? You know, I've never been pregnant, but I've, my wife has been pregnant five times. And you don't know the gender of the baby in the beginning. So when he said, hey, you're going to conceive in your womb and you'll bring forth a son, now he's giving them information that she cannot know in the beginning. So this speaks to me that as a game changer, you're going to have to realize there's some details you're not going to get till later on down the road. You don't know the gender of that baby until 19 or 20 weeks. So there's some things in your life as a game changer you're going to have to be okay with. I don't know step three. I'm still on step one. I'm not going to get frustrated at what I don't know. I'm going to be encouraged by what I do know. When we had our children, what some people don't really know, you know, I've got four daughters and one son. The son's the youngest. And we had our first two, two girls, and they're only 21 months apart. And, and uh, so we kind of took a little break and decided, you know, we, we would wait a little bit, gather ourselves and all this. And so about four years later, I uh, got pregnant again and found out it was another girl. And so that was going to be the last one. And so we were, we were done, and okay, that's awesome. We're, we're with it. Because some people think, well, you just kept trying until you had a boy. We, we did not do that. That really wasn't how it played out. But... So when you say you finally got your boy, that's probably not the best intro because sometimes if you don't even realize that kind of devalues my girls. I'm just giving tips to people that maybe you're not talking to me, but if you talk to someone else, you finally got that boy. Wait a minute, you're de devaluing the first four. That was free. So anyway, we go. <laughs> so now, so we, we, about, two, about a year and a half after our third one, Dawn says, hey, I think we want to have another. I'm like, What? She's like, yeah, I think I want to have another one. I'm like, really? You sure? She's like, yeah, I don't want that third one to be kind of off on their own. You know, these two are going to be really tight, and we have a third and be like, I want to have another one. So we actually wanted our fourth one to be another girl because we want to be two pairs. You know, you have sister, you built-in best friends, built-in best friends, two and two, perfect number. That's great, good balance. 
in the home. I'll be out of balance, but that's okay. <laughs> Five to one. So, so we didn't find out what the fourth one was. We really wanted to be a girl, but we thought, ah, let's just go. It was the only one we didn't find out through ultrasound. And this is what I'm talking about. Some details you won't find out along the way. So we get to the doctor's office. The doctor didn't know, the one that was going to do the birth. And, and so whenever uh, you know, my wife's giving birth, I like to be right in the game. I don't want to be walking in the halls. I don't want to be sitting on the couch. I'm right there. I like to be involved in what's going on. I'm just checking everything out. If this is too much for you, I already asked Dawn. I said, if this is too much detail, let me know. She didn't let me know, so I'm going in the second service. <laughs> I gave her a chance. She didn't shut me down. So I'm right there. And, and as, as the, babe, the head starts to come out, the doctor says, looks like a little boy's head to me. I'm like, what? What is that? Look at, I'm, I'm, I'm zeroed in. I'm like, what, this, this, this is different. And so then, you know, Don goes ahead and delivers, and as the baby comes out, I look, and I'm like, hey, I'm not a doctor, but I've seen that before, and that's not a boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know everything, but I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure. So what I'm saying by that is, a game changer has to be okay when it says you're going to bring forth the son. You're not going to get all the details. But notice what he says. He said, bring it forth the son. You're going to call his name Jesus. Why did he say that? Here's what I think. You can think what you want, but here's what I got out of it. I believe God was saying, hey, when you get your promise that I've told you about, when I bring that blessing into your life, I don't want you to forget about me and start thinking now you can call your own shots. Call his name Jesus. Don't call him Ralph. Don't call him Bob. Don't call him Jim Bob. Don't call him Steve. Jesus is his name. Because here's what happens. Sometimes when we get blessed in our lives, if we're not careful, we can forget about who brought us to where we are. And now we've, we've, we start calling our own shots. And God said, hey, when, you, when the blessing comes into your life, all of a sudden you've got a little extra money, you got that promotion, got that new job, things are going well. Because sometimes we come to God in tragedy and we forget about him in triumph. I'm just laying down some stuff for you. See, sometimes we come to him begging in tragedy, God, you got to help me. God, now everything's going good and we got, got no issues. All of a sudden we just kind of pick and choose when we want to serve God. He says, don't forget. When the blessing comes into your life, Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, when I give you the promised land, when you're living in houses you didn't build, you've got silver and gold that you didn't deserve, when you have all that, don't forget the one who brought you where you are. Game changers don't forget who butters their bread. Game changers remember where they came from, that without God I am nothing. So when I have something in the world's eyes, I want to remember the one who gave it to me. We can't just live for God in our tragedy. We've got to live for God in our triumph. Let's go on. Look at the next verse. So verse 32, God's, the angel starts speaking to us, talks about, you know, says, call his name Jesus. Then they say this, says, he shall be great. He'll be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of, of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, yo, time out. Time out. How, <laughs> sorry to interrupt you there, but how can this be since I do not know a man? See, the messenger comes, starts talking about how great it's going to be. He's going to be great, throne, Father David, house of Jacob, laying out son of most, highest, all this great stuff that's going to happen. 
He's all tied up in what it's going to be. And Mary's tripped up like, whoa, time out, time out. Do you remember that part in the previous few verses when you called me a virgin twice? I'm still a virgin. How can what you're saying ever happen to me? Mary looked at her limitations and believed what God was saying was impossible because what she couldn't figure out. And we are just like Mary, that God speaks something to us and we say, how? How can that be? How can that be? I don't know a man. How can that be? You're going to have to choose this. And your your walk is a game changer. You're going to have to choose the supernatural over the natural. She understood the natural connection. Okay, I understand, you know, I get with the man. Okay, we can have a baby. I, I understand that part. I got that. But now you're talking about something. I'm not going to be with a man, and yet I'm going to bring forth a son calling the name Jesus. You got all tied up in that. He's going to be great and high son of the house of Jacob, throne of David. But I'm still way back here trying to figure out how. You know why? God got a little excited. Sometimes God gets ahead of himself because he knows the end from the beginning. And sometimes God's going to tell you some stuff, and it's going to be way ahead, but you just got to realize God sees something that we don't see. And so he's just trying to encourage you. Hey, I see how this is going to turn out. Follow me. You ever followed somebody that's been somewhere you've never been before, and they get excited about where you're going, and you have no idea where you're going? They're like, come on, this is going to be great. You're going to love it. I promise you're going to love it. Why are they so excited you haven't experienced it yet? Because they have already experienced it. You need to know God has already experienced everything that he's promising you, and he gets excited before you ever get to see it. She said, I don't know a man. I don't know a man. You and I, we don't need to know a man. We need to know the man. You don't need to have all the earthly connections. You don't need to know how God's going to bring it to pass. I know we want to know how, but game changers are willing to believe God even when they can't have the foggiest idea how it could ever work out. Why? Because God told me. Game changers believe God. You're going to have to choose between the supernatural and the natural. Let's go to the next part. Then verse 35, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 35, another choice we're going to have to make. We're going to have to choose His power over our abilities. His power. She's like, okay, how's this going to happen? Angel said, I'll tell you exactly how it's going to happen. Look what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and now the power of the highest will be available to you. So we got to realize when God's telling us to do something, if he's telling you to change your behavior as a husband, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is available to help you to change. Amen, brother. That's good preaching. Good job, brother. See, whenever we work in relationships all the time, we look at our abilities. We look at what we can do. we got to look at what he can do. Your Bible tells you in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that the, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You want to be a game changer in a situation? Well, stop being limited by your abilities and start engaging in his power. You will have to choose his power over your abilities. We will say no too many times because we're filtering what God's asking us to do through our ability to get it done. God's telling you things that you can't do, and he loves it. He loves to tell you to do things you can't do. Why? Because it causes us to depend on him. 
Say, Chad, I want you to believe for multiple campuses. God, I can't even do one. I know. You'll need me. This is what you're talking about. You need to believe for the impossible. That's what he wants to stretch. So let's go to the next verse. You have to choose the, his power over your abilities. Verse 36, now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, he starts talking about somebody else. Now, now indeed, your, your, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. Who was called, everybody say was called. Was called barren. Look what happens. Mary, a little bit trepidatious about this whole baby, no man conception thing. I understand. There's a little bit of a reputation on the line. How many know not everybody was going to believe her pregnancy was of the Holy Spirit? Not everybody on Facebook was going to click like when she posted, Hey, good news! I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Not everybody's going to believe that story. Her own reputation was on the line. So she's a little bit trepidatious about it. So then the angel says, hey, wait a minute. You know your cousin Elizabeth, who's too old to have a baby and now was called barren. She's pregnant six months in. The testimony of what God was doing for someone else sometimes can be a game changer for you. This is why you need to be ready to tell your story. What has God done for you? When you tell someone what God has done for you, it can be a game changer in their life because they'll look at you and say, if God can do it for them, then there's hope for me. Individual raised his hand and accepted Christ in the first service. I got to talk to him afterwards, and, and as we're sharing, he, he just said, hey, it's a big deal for me. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But not only is it a big deal for you, but it's a big deal for everyone that knows you. Because the change that's happened in your life today will give them hope that something can change in their life. Elizabeth's story encouraged Mary. Your story will encourage someone else. you got to be able to tell it. But look what the story was. Elizabeth, who was called barren, was called. Why is she not called barren anymore? Because she's pregnant. How many of us need to tell our story of what we was called? You was called a drunkard. You was called perverted. You was called an addict. You was called, uh, you had temper issues. You was called, whatever your was called was, I was called lost. I was called hopeless. I was called depressed. I was called suicidal. I was called, but now Jesus came into my life. I was called a, a, a divorcee. I was called this. I was called an orphan. I was called, what were you was called, but God came into your life and now everything's changed. See, game changers focus on what God calls them more than what they was called. Game changers are going to have to choose between their past and their future. And if we lean into God, we have a future in Christ, and I can't be caught up in what I was called. I like to tell stories of what I was called because now people get to experience what I am called. I am called a son of God. I am called a child of God. That's not who I was, but it's who I am. But be careful. Some people want you to wear the label of your was called all your life. They want to care. I know who you are. I know where you've been. I know where you are. I know what you've done. I know, oh, yeah, sorry. That's what I was called. That's what I was called. That was yesterday. Today's a new day. Oh, yeah, you have to prove it to me. I know, but I'm not trying to prove it to you. I'm accepting from him. And I've accepted what I was called. I'm choosing what I am called over what I was called. Let's bring this home. Last two verses. Verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. 
With God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. Game changers realize with God, no thing, nothing, no thing, no thing will be impossible. You don't understand my thing. What's your thing? It's your thing. Do what he wants you to do. No thing will be impossible. What's your situation? No thing. What's your thing? You don't understand my thing. I I don't need to know your thing. With God. The question is not what is your thing. The question is are you with God? We want to magnify our thing. But my thing, it's so big. My thing, it's so impossible. My thing is so overwhelming. My thing, my thing, my thing. And God says, hey, focus on being with me. You'll talk about the with God more than you talk about your thing. All of a sudden, your thing won't seem so big because your God will be exalted. With God, nothing will be impossible. Look at verse 38. Then Mary said these words after she heard the word from God, heard the testimony about Elizabeth, said that nothing will be impossible. Verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. She started singing the Beatles song. Let it be, let it be. Maybe not. But she said, let it be to me according to your what? Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Here's what you'll have to overcome, the last choice you have to make. You'll have to overcome, you have to make the choice between his word and your logic. What did God say? And then you have to be able to say this, let it be to me. God can make all the promises. You can hear all the sermons in the world. You can read everything in your Bible. But until you and I say these words, let it be to me, it will be something that passes over and goes to someone else. You need to grab it say, ha, I'm grabbing that right here. Let it be to me according to your word. I don't understand it. I don't see how it's going to work out. I can't figure it out. But game changers don't wait for all the details before they buy in and say, God, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to what you're saying. Let it be to me not according to what I understand, but let it be to me according to what you say. Let it be to me not according to what everybody accepts. Game changers are not waiting for vast approval from humanity. They're waiting on a word from God. What did God tell you will happen in your relationship if you do what God says? I know, but they aren't going to receive it. They aren't going to do that. So we disqualify what God tells us to do because we don't see how it's going to play out. God speaks to me and tells me, hey, I want you to be, I want you to do this for your wife. I want you to act this way today. I want you to say these things. Yeah, yeah, but what difference is going to make? How's she going to respond to that? I didn't say anything about that. I just said, do your part. My friends are jacked up. They're going crazy, talking about me, being mean to me, behind my back. Okay. So are you going to wait for them to change or are you going to change? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go be nice to your friends. I want you to speak well about them. I want you to tweet nice things about them. I want you to, I want you to send them nice texts. I want you to do this about, well, what if they don't? What if they, how are they going to respond? How are they, how are they? And we wait on how things are going to play out before we decide to engage what God told us to do. You cannot do it. If you're wanting to get in a relationship, I don't know, if you can help people that have never been married, you're wanting to be married, you cannot wait for the other side of the equation to do your side of the equation. 
and you got to love algebra. You got to do your part. You can't wait for Y to do his job. If you're X, you got to do your job. Do your job. Let God and Y work out their job. Do your job. The formula will never work out if you don't do yours. Well, I'll do mine when Y does his. What if Y's saying the same thing? Well, I'll do mine when X does his. You understand what I'm saying? So game changers, we're going to have to make these choices.